Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. We are going to continue our thrilling conversation about mortgages. Ooh. I love talking about it. It's useful information, so we're going to have a lot more strategy for you. Things you'll want to know to hopefully help you make some good decisions with your mortgage and know how to avoid some of the bad things out there. So, join us. All right, so we're going to start today talking about the word mortgage. As we were writing up this episode, we both realized we hate the word mortgage. Oh, it's so stupid. It looks like mortgage. Well, it has a T. It's mortgage. <laughs> it, or even if you like said it correctly, it's mortgage. <laughs> it reminds me of the word Wednesday. Yeah. I always say Wednesday in my head Wednesday? to spell it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a dumb word. I know. I, it's like, it why? is dumb. So, okay. So when, so I used to live in Brazil for a little bit, right? And I was actually teaching English down there to some Brazilians and they would freak out because I'm teaching them the difference between world, word, and ward. <laughs> and they, like, it's, I felt so bad for them. They're like, why don't you follow your own rules? <laughs> I, I'm like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. There, there, and there. What? <laughs> like, English makes no sense the more uh, I think about it. And I'm so grateful that I am, you know, learned English when I was a kid because kudos to those people who learn when you're older. Because the more I learn about it, the more I think none of this makes sense. Well, think of the word world. It's an O-R, so it's world. But it, but we say it with an E-R, world. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't no say sense. it right. And, <laughs> like, and if we did say it right, it's, oh, man, English is such a hard language to learn because you have to memorize how words are spelled out. The rules sometimes apply. And it depends where you go. And I mean, sometimes you go to the East Coast and I'm like, what did they say? I grew up in Texas, so I was yeah, <laughs> slow and loud. And I go to the East Coast and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what are you guys saying? Is this America still? <laughs> we have all the different dialects. It makes it a lot of fun. But, you know, when I was a kid... Um, my we had some friends from Scotland who came over to visit and they were laughing because I was trying to get my mom's attention. I was like, Mom, mom, like across the table when we were at dinner and they started laughing at me like, Mom, mom, because they talk so soft and and fast. And then uh we talk very loud and and personally for me, I also talk very loud and slower. So that's just how yeah. we are. That is pretty funny. <laughs> you know, some people are not that way, but Texans are. Yeah, <laughs> I love it true. though. Though that's how because I am the same way. So yeah. my I have family from Texas. So totally, totally. Well, here's what we're gonna do today, everyone. We're gonna talk a little bit more about mortgages because that's what you're all here for, right? We know you're, you're excited. Oh yeah, they're fun. Mortgages are are just the cherry on top of your uh, Sunday, on your uh, ice cream Sunday, <laughs> right? So here's what we're gonna do. Mortgages can be a huge stress, right? So last episode, we were talking a little bit about what the definitions are, like what you're going to see in a particular mortgage, in a typical mortgage. But now we're going to talk about different kinds of mortgages, some things you should look out for, some tips and tricks. So without further ado, let's go and talk about them. Now, the first one we're going to talk about is what's known as a fixed mortgage or a conventional loan, as some people have called it. So what is a fixed mortgage? Now remember, mortgages are for homes specifically. It's not like an auto loan or something like that. Well, when it's a fixed loan, what you're basically doing is at the time you take the loan, your interest rates are going to be fixed. And that's why it says fixed. That means it's going to be locked in. So for the entire life of the loan, you're going to be paying that particular interest rate that you locked it at. Okay. 
So these are the most common types of loans out there for mortgages. They are, in my opinion, they're the best ones. The, the, there are some other ones where some people financially can say, oh, the other ones could be technically better. But honestly, these are simple. They're easy to understand they're or safe. E they're safe. They're easier, I guess would be the, they're not, no loan is easy to understand, <laughs> but they're easier to understand, right? So now in order to get one of these loans, so normally speaking, you're going to be dealing with private companies. And when we say private companies, we mean non-government entities like banks, credit unions, that sort of thing, separate from the government. So when I go over to one of these financial institutions, I'm going to say, hey, I want to get a loan. Or I talk with a broker and they get me connected with one of these institutions. Generally speaking, you're going to have to have a few things to qualify for a particular loan, a mortgage. And that is having a good credit score. So you, the general credit score that people are accepting for loans is 620 and above. So if you don't have that, do your best to pay off your loans on time, your credit cards and other things. We talked about those in previous episodes, how to build your credit. Go ahead and listen to those. So you have to have at least a 620 is kind of the benchmark uh, in order to get a pretty good loan. So try to strive for that. Higher the better. Because if you're at 620, you, they may increase your rates a little bit, your fees uh, for the loan. So the better, uh, the better your credit score, the better your chances are going to have a lower payment and also a, uh, and actually getting the loan itself. The other thing is what's known as a down payment. So Kimberly talked about this last episode a little bit. Now, your down payment is also going to help determine the whole price of your fixed loan. Now, generally with a conventional loan, you're going to see uh, down payments of 5 to 20%. Now, if you don't have 5 to 20% to put down on a loan, you may not get the loan. They may just say, sorry, tough luck, you're not going to get it. So keep that in mind when it comes to those, okay? So one thing to keep in mind is since the 2008 housing crisis, these are pretty much the most popular kinds of loans, these fixed rate loans. These next loans that we're going to talk about were a little bit more common and a lot of people got in hot water with them. And you'll see why they can be kind of tricky. And so the fixed rate loans, they're predictable. You know that you're going to be paying that that rate forever. You know, all of a sudden next year, your interest rate isn't going to double and your mortgage payment goes way up. They're really safe. They're predictable. You'll know how much your payment can be. You can become comfortable with it. And it shouldn't vary very much, which is the, the benefit of it. Once you can get comfortable with your mortgage payment and know, yes, I can afford this, you shouldn't expect it to change too much. It might change a little bit like we talked about last episode with some property tax variations. But your payment will be predictable. It's a lot better for you. It's a lot easier to plan. And having that predictability is so valuable because you know how much you have to make, you know how much you have to save, and it just gives you less surprises. <laughs> I think I think that is one of the uh, that's one of the worst things on the planet is having a lot of surprises come your way, uh, unexpected expenditures, that sort of thing that can put you in a hole. Now, these other ones that we're going to talk about, these other types of mortgage loans have some surprises. So let's talk about the next one. Let's move away from fixed loans. Let's talk about adjustable rate mortgage loans. Now, these ones are actually very easy to understand as well. Not as common anymore, as Kimberly was stating. Um, but you have your adjustable rate note loans. Now, what are these? Well, they are exactly how they sound. The acronym is actually ARM, and we joke that you have to pay an arm and a leg to get these loans. <laughs> They're not as good in our opinion. Uh, the adjustable rate means that the interest rate that you're paying can fluctuate. 
So if I'm paying, or so let's say I'm paying 3% right now, awesome. Well, what happens if the what happens if the markets go back up and interest rates go ahead and increase from the Federal Reserve? Well, when that happens, the banks will then increase their rates. And now you're let's say the going rate is 5%. Well, if you're in adjustable rate mortgage loan, that could happen. You could now be paying more money. They're not predictable anymore like a fixed loan. So not a favorite of mine. Now they could be in your favor if they go down. Now, if they go down interest rates, let's say you're at an 8%, like let's say the market's at 8%, like the 80s. Can you believe that? <laughs> like, it, some got up to the 12% range. It just, How do you even afford a house at that point? You couldn't. Like, There's yeah. no way. It was horrible. But uh, so at that point, the interest rates drop. And then if you're in one of these adjustable rate mortgage loans, then you drop, then of course your payments would drop too. But they're just unpredictable and tricky. So in our opinion, the best one, especially with interest rates as low as they are right now, is the fixed rate. Lock in that low rate and you're good. There's also one called a balloon mortgage or a balloon loan. These are not good. <laughs> like, they can be good for sophisticated investors, but if you don't know what you're doing, stay away from these. Now, the good news is there are very, like, most companies do not offer these for mortgages anymore. For yeah, after the, 2008, they were kind of done with all these special kinds. Yeah, for, a the lot of average, for the average consumer, right? For the average consumer, you're not going to have a you're not going to have this as an available option more than likely. Now that doesn't mean they're not available. There's still some companies that offer them, but after uh, 2008, the government came in with Dodd Frank. Uh, it was the Wall Street Reform Act, uh, Consumer Protection Act. It basically said, "Hey, guess what? Um, you're not going to be able to." trade these anymore on the secondary market. So they remove the incentive for banks to actually use them. So to understand these a little bit, let's explain what they are, then we'll talk about how they can be abused. So these, you usually pay just the interest with balloon mortgages. So what happens is you're going to have very low payments for a period of time. And at the very end, they're gonna slap a huge price tag on it and say, you owe me all the money now. So basically, if you are buying a home with worth $200,000 for, and these are usually shorter loans too, like eight to 10 years usually. They're not really long ones like fixed or, uh, or arm loans, that sort of thing. So with balloon mortgages are usually shorter in length. So you would buy one and you would just pay basically the interest. So you would have payments of like $200 for seven or eight years. Now, some of them would increase a little bit more during the tenure, but again, there's multiple types of these, but the general gist of it is that you're paying your interest, only the interest for the short term. And then at the very end of the loan, they're going to say, Hey, pay up the rest of the $200,000. So imagine if you go broke, imagine if you don't have the money by then, what happens? Well, they're going to come take your home and you paid all that interest for that long. And you had no principal going to the home. You're screwed. So these were not very good. Like these balloons, this actually happened a lot before the Great Depression and caused a lot of headache. They were still used even uh, even up till today and before 2008 crash. They're just not the best. Kind of stay away from them. And generally speaking, I say stay away from them because they are available for other types of loans too. Mortgages, you're probably not going to see them ever. But when with other types of loans, you might see them. Generally speaking, you might want to stay away from them unless you know exactly what you're getting into. Now, why would banks like these though? Well, the reason why is because 
if here's a kind of a surprise for some of you, if uh, kind of the insider world on finance, if you take a loan from a bank, usually that bank does not keep the loan. They usually sell it to another financial institution. So an institution that wants to take on that risk or can hold it longer term. So uh, like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, if any of you have ever heard of them before, they are government sponsored uh, government sponsored entities that will actually buy these loans from banks like Wells Fargo, Zion, uh, Bank of America, all of those. So they'll issue out these loans and then they'll sell it to them. Well, balloon loans were excellent because they could sell these or they could issue out these loans to you. You buy the loan and they say, ha ha, now I'm going to take this loan and instead of keeping it for the long haul and then they're paying me, I'm going to sell this loan to another financial institution so the actual consumer is paying the other financial institution and Wells Fargo gets a quick pretty penny. They don't they, take any yeah, of Yeah, the they risk. get the risk off of their plate. Yep. And so they loved them. They loved them. So this was where uh, banks were doing some bad stuff in the past <laughs> that caused a lot of hurt because then they would sell really crappy loans to people that were not really shouldn't have been approved for these loans. And then what would happen is they wouldn't pay them and they would just sell the asset to some other institution and say, screw you, you're going to if they don't pay it anymore, the risk is no longer on my plate. So just know that's what happens with your loans. Even with term loans, they're more than likely going to sell them. I think the vast majority of institutions don't hold on to the loans that they issue out. That's why a lot of times when you get your mortgage, you'll get a letter, even within a year, and they'll say, by the way, we sold your loan. You're like, what What does that even mean? And you'll keep paying your payments the same way to the same people, but they just have to notify you and tell you, yeah, but we actually sold this. We're collecting payments, so, but we sold this loan to someone else. So they collect the payments, but then they send it, right? They send it back to the other institution just so they're acting as like the midway agent or just the actual transaction agent. So just kind of know that uh, those are tricky. Thank goodness balloon mortgages are kind of gone now, but they you'll see them from time to time. So just be aware of them. Now, the next kind of loan that we have is an FHA loan. Now, these loans are very similar to term loans or fixed loans rather. Now, these um, are actually government sponsored loans. So now we're moving away from the private world and now moving into the government world a little bit. Now, government-sponsored loans, these FHAs, they stand for Federal Housing Administration Loans. Now, these are going to be options for people who are buying their first home that uh, are low to medium income households. So basically the government saying, hey, we want to help people get into their first homes, so we're going to sponsor these for the banks. Now, the problem that, so Kimberly explained this in the last episode, the problem for banks issuing out loans is risk because if there's two individuals, one is going to pay their payments every day on time. They're going to always go to that person for to give the money to because they're like, hey, I'm going to get paid back. Now, if you go to person number two and they're a little bit more risky, maybe they missed a few payments here and there and they can see that reflected in their credit score. Well, at that point, they're thinking, uh, I don't know if I want to, or this person's risky. I might not, uh, I shouldn't give them the cash. Or the other situation is, oh, well, they don't have a whole lot of money. So I don't know if they can pay me back. They can't afford a down payment of five to 20%. I don't think I want to give them the cash. So that, that's reasonable. That makes sense because they're scared to give you the money because you're a risk. Well, at that point, the government steps in and says, you know what? Let's give these people a shot. So we're going to issue out what's called an FHA loan. 
So the FHA loan, it's going to be, they'll, so the government will work with approved lenders. So it typically will be one of the bigger banks anyway. So a lot of the big banks that are national have FHA loans. And basically what happens is they will give you the loan, the banks, however, the government is taking the risk for you. So they're going to be, they're actually quite nice because they lower the amount of, uh, of uh, the down payment. So instead of doing five to 20%, the amount is right now as of 2020, 3.5%. So that's what's cool about those FHA loans. You don't have to have as much money for down payment. You don't have to have the best credit score. In fact, the to qualify, you need at least 580, which is pretty darn low to begin with, but at least it's, uh, but that's, the number, the threshold saying, hey, if you can't get up to that 620 credit score, if you're at uh, if you're at 580, we can still give you a little bit of a, an extra uh, an extra boost. And uh, so why would a bank want to issue this, though? Well, because they're still making money from it, but now they're not taking on as much of the risk because the government's taking a portion of it. So the government will basically say, OK, we're going to take on some of the risk. So if they don't make payments, you're OK. So just know that uh, there's some limitations that do apply when it comes to FHA loans. Kimberly and I think these are pretty good options. If you're trying to get into a first home and you're, you can no longer go into apartments or anything like that, your family's growing, you need to go a little bit more and it makes sense. So FHA loans, it depends, but they can actually have sometimes lower interest rates than other fixed uh, fixed loans or other types of loans too. It just depends. You'll need to talk with your institution to see how things are looking there, but just know that is an option. Preferably, or Kimberly and I, we prefer the fixed loan. Uh, that's the one that we are personally drawn to because it makes the most sense. It's predictable. You can also, if you can afford the 20% down, you don't have the mortgage insurance. With an FHA loan, you do have a type of mortgage insurance. It's not called that, but there is a type of insurance on it. So you will be paying a little bit extra there. So our preference is save up your money, get to the 20% if you can, and then put that down and you're going to be in good shape. It's good to know about the different types though. So number one, you know what's out there so you can protect yourself. And then you know what's out there too if you really need that option. Um, it's great that they have that option for people who, who need it. Um, it's good to know what, what's available to you. So let's talk about a few tips. Um, the first one is one of my favorites. It's when we were first getting, I told my boss at work that we we're looking at getting a home. And he said, okay, I'm going to get on my soapbox. <laughs> He's like, I tell us to everybody who tells me they're going to get a home. And some of the best advice I'd, I'd received. So it's very easy. And most people are like, yeah, I'm going to get a home. Like, oh, what rate are you going to get? What rate can you get? Oh, so-and-so got this rate. They talk about getting a good rate, which of course you want to get a good rate. Um, especially right now, it's a really good time for interest rates. They're lowest in history, right? Some of the lowest in history, yeah. yeah. At least in the last 30 years or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So you'll save a lot of money with a lower interest rate. However, you don't want to compare rates with different lenders. You know how we talked about a mortgage broker can compare different rates? You can also do it yourself. You want to compare what you're going to pay for those rates. So he had told me... You know, you could go to a bank and what you want to do is, and they could say, oh, I can get you this, you know, I can get you 3% or 2.5% or, you know, something crazy low, whatever the rates are at the time. And you think, oh, that's great. That's awesome. However, what you need to do is say, what will I pay for that rate? So the best advice that I received when we were getting our mortgage is, say, compare a bunch of different people, as we talked about, just like when you go on Amazon, you compare a bunch of different socks and you decide which one's the best value for the best price and best fit for you. 
what you'll want to do is go to a bunch of different institutions or, um, and even if you look at, you know, different mortgage brokers, you can compare them too and say, and have them all compare the same rate on the same day and say, you tell me all the fees associated with this. Because every different uh, institution is going to have different fees and different closing costs. Um, We actually were, there was a big mortgage broker with this really fancy or mortgage company with this really fancy advertising and they looked really great and uh, we had somebody tell us well who's paying for their all their fancy advertising their customers and so if you think about it they have a lot more fees that are going to be built into that where rather if you went for a smaller mom pop shop that doesn't have an expensive office maybe they can get you something better fees wise so what you want to do is go to a bunch of different people and say I want you to all compare me. I'm just going to use 3% as an example. I want, if I got 3% today, what are the fees that I'm going to pay associated with that? And then you have them compare everything in, all of the fees, and you can see because basically anybody can get you any fee. I mean, of course, there's a range. They can't be like, yeah, I'm going to get you 1% when the, when the average rate is four and a half or something like that. But the idea is that generally you can kind of get around the same fees with anybody, but what will vary is the, uh, you can get around the same, excuse me, the same rate with everybody, but what will vary is the fees that you're going to pay for that. So it's important to actually understand what you're paying for the rate you get, not just understanding the rate that you'll get. And like we talked about with your mortgage payment, it's not just your principal and interest that goes into your mortgage payment. You're going to have a lot of other things. So it's pretty easy to go online and be like, hey, this guy said he can get me 3%. Plug that in online and I have a $250,000 loan. And yep, I can afford that payment. You want to understand additionally what you're paying on your mortgage. And you also want to understand all the fees that are going to go into your closing costs. So that's a really important way. And I think a very useful way to compare people is say, for this rate, what will I have to pay to get it? Another tip too is that the larger down payment you do, usually the better interest rate or the less you'll pay for that interest rate because obviously the bank, the institution is more comfortable. So if you're paying you know, 5% down payment, the bank's not going to be as comfortable. But if you put up to the 20, then you're going to do a lot better on closing costs and fees. It also just brings down the overall loan itself. So if you have a $100,000 loan and you're putting down 20%, that's 20,000. Well, now you're only paying back 80 versus 100. So that means that your interest payments or at least your payments overall are gonna be less. Couple other things to watch out for. Um, Sometimes, and since 2008, again, these have pretty much gone away, but you'll always wanna double check this, is you wanna make sure there's no prepayment penalties in your loan. They still exist um, from my understanding, but you don't see them as much. But what those are is if you pay off your loan early, you get charged fees. These suck. It seems so ironic, right? It's like, hey, you paid me back early, you're welcome. (laughs) You know, you think they'd be grateful, but that's, it's not how it works because the bank, they used to charge these a lot, especially prior to 2008 because They didn't want you to pay back or they want you to keep paying interest for 30 years. Now, the thing to note about these is they still do exist. So as Kimberly said, they're not as prominent anymore, but they still exist for home mortgages. So for example, so the good news is when uh, the Dodd uh, in 2010, when Dodd-Frank came out, well, they're no longer available for student loans, USDA loans, FHA loans. You're not going to have prepayment penalties for those. I hate the idea of pre-penalties, but for home mortgage loans, they still exist. Now there are limitations though that they put on them. 
So for example, what banks used to do that was so stupid, I hated this, uh, is let's say you're in a 30-year fixed loan and you're like, hey, I have enough money now. I won the lottery, <laughs> hopefully, right? And then you're 12 years into the loan. Well, let's say you say, I want to pay off this entire loan. Bam, let's do it. Well, the banks would say, hey, we're going to charge a fee for you paying it off early, which is dumb. Like, it's so stupid. Now, I understand their reasoning for it, uh, like for the first couple of years, but after the first couple of years, it's really dumb. They're just trying to basically pinch pennies off of you and take as much cash as they can. So what they're going to do is charge you a fee. Usually it was 2% of the remaining amount or something like that. Ridiculous, ridiculous. So... They would charge it and then you're hosed. You now have to pay that additional 2% and sometimes it goes less. So now luckily there's been some restrictions that have been in introduced saying, hey, those need to go away. But for a, for a loan, you want to ask your lender, does this have a prepayment penalty fee? Because they will exist, but in a different format. What you'll normally see now is something more like this. For the first uh, three to five years of you in your loan, you may have a prepayment penalty if you pay it off early. Now, this the banks argue that this is to protect themselves. They're saying, hey, I'm giving you this money. I'm trying to earn some interest off of you. So if you're going to be if you're buying a 30 year loan and paid off in just five, well, we're not getting as much money off of you as we could have. So we're going to pay the fee. Stupid. Yes, I know. But that's how you're going to see them nowadays. So for the, thir for the first three to five years of your loan, they're going to be charging a prepayment penalty fee. But once you pass five years, then usually that fee goes away. So just double check, check with your lender and see if they're going to have one of those. If they do, our recommendation, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else and see if there's another bank that offers no prepayment penalties. Okay. Now, if your mortgage, if this is the best Excuse me. If this is the best loan available at the lowest rates, maybe it does make sense to go with them, but just check those terms and conditions and see what it is. So if it's like uh, three to five years, cool. But that includes refinancing too. If you refinance less than that five year mark, you still have to pay that prepayment penalty fee. And at that point, it might not make sense to refinance because you're trying to get a cheaper interest rate, but now you're paying 2% on whatever is left over or whatever the terms may be. So just double check that. I think the message of a lot of these tips is to really understand your contract. Like I mentioned, we're bringing Phil on the show on Friday, who was a mortgage broker that we worked with. And poor guy, it was late at night, like for over an hour, I sat with him and went through every line of that contract <laughs> and understanding all the fees. And with Ryan, our real estate agent too, I said, explain this to me and this to me. And they were really great. And that's when you know you've got a good real estate agent and brokers. They're willing to go over that with you. But it may be kind of painful and take time. And I we didn't know. It was our first house we bought. So I'm not some expert on real estate. I have no idea about half the stuff in there. But I said, you explain this to me until I understand. It's really important, even though it might be painful, and the paperwork is very intimidating. It's pages and pages of things that don't really make sense. We even just recently refinanced, and the guy hates me now that we worked with over at our place because <laughs> I kept calling him and saying, uh, explain this to me, please. Explain this to me. It's really important, as long as it takes, to understand your contract. And don't feel dumb asking questions. I ask a lot of questions like, I literally have no idea what this means. Explain it to me in simple terms. So you want to understand everything in your contract and make sure that you know what is going on. And along with the prepayment penalty, that made me think of a little kind of bonus, temp, uh, bonus tip. 
is that one thing I can think that can be really helpful for you as a good strategy is to get a mortgage that you're very comfortable with. That's pretty good, you know, below your budget. You don't want to go to the very top of your budget. You want to get a mortgage, you're like, yeah, not a big deal. And from day one, pay bigger than it. So for example, if your mortgage is $1,350, right? $1,350 a month. That's pretty, you know, pretty good mortgage. And maybe you're saying, yeah, I can afford up to like $1,500. From day one or today, starting today, pay the $1,500 and get used to that payment. When we got our mortgage, we got one we're really comfortable with and we just decided from the beginning, we're going to do X amount and we're just going to pay that every month. And then you get it in your brain that that's my mortgage. Then all of a sudden you look at your payments and you're, or you look at your statements, you realize, wow, I've paid down a lot on this thing by just doing a little bit extra every month. Then all of a sudden your 30 year mortgage could be cut in half. So basically what's happening here is your extra money that you're paying is going directly to the principal instead of interest. So that means, because remember when from last episode, when you're paying off a certain, when you're especially at the very beginning of your loan, you're paying a certain portion to interest and principal. Principal is paying off the actual loan. Interest is what you're paying the bank for letting you borrow their money. So when you pay extra money, that's not going to interest, that's going to principal, which means you're paying off your loan faster. And that's what we're talking about here. So let's do an example. So you have a $1,000 mortgage payment. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and we're not going to talk about property taxes or PMI or anything like that. Just really simple. Say you have $600 going towards interest, $400 going towards principal. So every month you're paying $400 down on your loan. Okay, so maybe you got that loan and you're you think, well, I could afford a $1,200 payment every month, but it's only a thousand bucks. Great, but I'm going to get comfortable with a $1,200 payment. Then guess what? All of a sudden you have $600 going towards your loan because you have the original $400 plus that extra $200 you're paying. That goes straight to principal and guess what? That amount that you pay towards principal will never have interest charged on it. It is safe. It is protecting. You're paying that thing off. There's a lot of great calculators, especially like on Dave Ramsey where they have early payment calculators where, okay, if I make this amount of extra payments a year, then how much will I save in interest? You could be saving tens of thousands, sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest. It's pretty incredible how quickly that adds up. But our tip for that is to get there is instead of just thinking like, well, I'll save up some extra money and then put it towards my loan. It's a lot easier to get comfortable with a higher mortgage payment, even if it's $50 higher or $100 higher. If you just get used to it, you get used to it. You know, you're used to just thinking, well, that's my bill every month. That's what we've done. We've always thought that's our mortgage. And we've, you know, just, and you get used to it and you don't, you kind of forget that your mortgage payment is different. And it's really great to see that add up over time. And you see the years that you cut off your mortgage and it's pretty incredible. And even if you don't stay in the home for 30 years, you've got more money put towards that loan. So when you pay off, when you sell the house someday, you'll get more money back and more money to put into your next home, which is pretty great. So here's just some review tips that we want to discuss with you real fast before we continue on, okay? Number one, you need to know how, what options are out there. Try to look for the loan that best suits your particular needs. So shop around, go to different lenders, talk with them. And then the second tip here is do not worry about being a nuisance, <laughs> okay? This is a lot of money and you're paying this money over time. You're paying the down payment, so because you're paying all this money and will be over the course of the life of the loan, don't worry about calling up your lender and saying, explain this to me. 
You should know this stuff. Don't be like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a nuisance. No, be a nuisance. You need to understand this stuff. You need to understand it. You need to not be shy about it. The third thing is try to pay 20% down. 20% down is going to really help you a lot so you can save some money on the mortgage insurance and also read those terms and conditions so you can avoid things like prepayment penalties. And the last tip, pay extra each month. If you can get even just, if you're paying a 30 year loan and if you can pay off just, if you can add one extra payment over a course of the year by just small increment payments once monthly, well, guess what? You can reduce your 30-year loan to something like 22 years or something like that. And that you'll save thousands of dollars in interest doing that. Thousands of dollars because that money will never touch interest. And also, uh, last tip is do not forget when you're looking at different people to get a mortgage from, don't be drawn in by, oh, we can get you this rate. Remember, what am I going to pay in fees to get that rate? That's the important question. In comparing them all, you want to compare apples to apples. What am I going to pay to get that rate? So don't forget, we have a very exciting Friday Friends with our friend Phil. He was our mortgage broker. He's really knowledgeable about the industry, really fun to talk to. So here's a quick sample of that conversation. The biggest misconception that I think is out there right now is that people think a rate is offered by a company, right? Company A is offering this rate. Company B is offering this rate. Well, company B is lower than company A, so that must be better right? Because just their rate. So we, we, we get frustrated, honestly, sometimes with people who we quote them a rate and they come back and they say, well, this other company is giving us a quarter percent lower in rate. I'm like, no, no, what, what are you talking about? We could give you that same rate for like thousands cheaper. What are you doing? And they just think that it's just about rate. But what people don't understand is rate is tied with fees. What is the rate or what's the cost for the rate at 2.75? What's the credit for the rate at three and a quarter? And then you can compare those same rates to the other companies. And that's what you need to do. So he's got a lot of great advice and tips for you. We're super excited about that episode. Be sure to check it out and give us any feedback. Send us a message on social media. Leave us a comment on the podcast. We'd be happy to answer any other questions you have about the home buying process, about real estate, and about mortgages. We love talking about it, and we really, really hope that this was helpful for all of you. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on Homemade Ops. The information shared on our show is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be advice. Reach out to a professional for your specific situation.